Welcome to Tuesday Tales with Taryn and Chelsea. This is our we new segment. Forgot, we forgot how to make a podcast, and so we just recorded for not, the whole time we were talking, probably about 15 minutes, before we clicked the record button. So here we are. <laughs> so welcome anyway. to our new segment, where we're going to read stories to you, because we think our commentary is funny. That's it. That's Pretty the whole good. bit. That's the whole bit. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this week we're going to be doing fairy tales. So, um, I believe Taryn, yours is Han Christian Anderson. I picked one of the Grimm brothers. Um, learned a lot about the Grimm brothers, actually. Very sad life. Why did you pick a Grimm story, though? Well, (laughs) so we were going to do the theme of Hans Christian Anderson, and we're both going to pick one. But I went to Barnes & Noble to buy a really pretty version of all the Hans Christian Andersen stories, they didn't have any. So instead, I, I bought the Grimm's Brother book that they had, and it's so freaking beautiful. She's holding it right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> hugging it. So I decided that we were just going to do uh, fairy tales themes that I could read from my pretty new book that I just bought and am obsessed with currently. So that's It's all. very pretty. She also already ordered the Hans Christian Andersen one, so it'll be here on Tuesday. <laughs> I did, and I'm very excited for it. So by the time we release this, it'll be out. Or it'll be in her home, and she'll be very excited. And this might be the only time we ever release this, so who knows? knows? Maybe it'll just be like a one time. (laughs) We'll adjust as need be. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Like Chelsea said, I think we've named this segment Tuesday Tales. Uh, We were going to do Tuesday Tidbits, but Tuesday Tales lets you know that it's going to be stories. Um, The plan is just for us to either, like, read portions of stories so we can pick old books in the public domain and we can read portions of the stories. Or, like, today, for my part, the the fairy tale that I picked, The Little Mermaid, is too long. You don't want to listen to me read 12 pages of, like, it's a lot of text. It's not, like, a picture book 12 pages. Um, So I'm kind of going to read some portions and then summarize. But Chelsea's is shorter, so she can probably read Mm -hmm. her entire one and it won't bore you to death because it's not it's not that long plus yeah, Chelsea's great at reading out loud <laughs> no. no there's legal it's only two and a half pages so we are not it. audible experts or audiobook experts I I googled it did you I feel like we talked about this Chelsea like how much mm-hmm. they pay to be an audiobook reader it's you make pretty good money pretty decent money but it's really hard to get a gig, so it's really not that hard. We've, like, and looked extensively into this, but it's pretty hard to get a gig. <laughs> Did I Google it for many, many hours and do a lot of research? Yes. Was I thinking about quitting my job? Yes. But it's fine. Possibly. We're good. <laughs> that happens quite regularly, but we enjoy our jobs. Um, so we're just gonna have fun with it. We're planning on like commentating as we go, so it's not just gonna be a straight read through. You'll hear all of our wonderful thoughts. The last time I visited Chelsea, or when I went up to Utah, um, I was reading A Court of Mist and Fury, and Chelsea had already <laughs> read it. I think we've said this before. Chelsea had already yeah. read it, and so we read it. Oops, I dropped my pen. We read it <laughs> together, and it was pretty funny. And so we thought, so the other day I was driving in the car, and I was like, wouldn't it be really funny if we did that with multiple stories? And so that's how this was born. I am super excited, though, because I have never read the original printing like story of the little mermaid so this is this is recording of my live reaction (laughs) this is her live reaction 
Um, and I just told this backstory in our first attempt to record, but Chelsea's going to hear it again. Um, <laughs> in high school, I took an English class. I can't remember if it was one of like my dual enrollment classes or whatever. I can't even remember who the teacher was. But we had to pick an original story and then review it with the adapt or compare it to the adaptation. So a few people did like the Chronicles of Narnia compared to the movie or whatever story. I chose The Little Mermaid. I had never read The Little Mermaid before, the original story. And so I'm sitting there reading it in my class because I had printed it off and brought it. And I'm reading through it and I finished it. I'm like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> this is, I forget, like, well, if you look at even like the a lot of original fairy tales, they're way more gruesome than the Disney fight oh, yeah. versions that we see. Oh, yeah. Like in the original Cinderella, the sisters, if they show this in Into the Woods, if you've seen that movie. But, like, to fit their feet into the slippers, they cut off portions of their feet. And so their, Which their foot Which seems a tad extreme fits, to me. Just a little bit. So their foot fits, but then the blood seeping out of the shoe is what gives them away. <laughs> Not the missing foot parts. No. That's, like, the how blood. they can tell. They're like, oh, you chopped off your heel so that your fat feet would fit in this tiny shoe. Classic. Oh. So that's kind of the vibe we're getting <laughs> from this original Little Mermaid. So like I said, I'm going to read some portions and then summarize other portions because I know you guys don't care about each of her sisters and all of their adventures. So we shall see, okay? But to begin, The Little Mermaid, Hans Christian Andersen. It was originally published in, I wrote it down, 1836. I'm sure that there was another version of this story that has been told at some point but I am just reading his version. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we begin, okay? Far out at sea, the water is as blue as the petals of the loveliest cornflower. What's a cornflower? It's like a, a light blue, I think. Well, like I'm assuming because it just said blue as the petals of the loveliest okay, cornflower. Okay, well, it's a flower. <laughs> it's okay. just a blue flower. And as clear as the purest glass, but it is very deep, deeper than any anchor cable can reach. Many church towers would have to be placed on top of each other to stretch from the seabed to the surface. Down there, the sea folk live. Do not believe, though, that there is nothing but the bare white sand on the seabed. No, the most marvelous trees and plants grow there that have such pliant trunks, stems, and leaves that the slightest movement of the water causes them to move as if they were alive. All the fishes, great and small, slip between their branches just as birds up, up here do in the air. At the very deepest spot lies the Sea King's Palace. The walls are of coral and the tall pointed windows of the clearest amber, and the roof is of mussel shells that open and close as the water passes. It is so lovely, for in each of them lie gleaming pearls, a single one of which would be a prized gem in a queen's crown. For many years, the Sea King down there had been a widower, but his old mother kept house for him. She was a wise woman, but proud of her high birth. So she always wore 12 oysters on her tail while all the other fine folk only were allowed to wear six. Wow. Very fancy. Whoa. That sounds painful. <laughs> Can you imagine having like things clipped to your feet while you walk? It's just to show status. Different. <laughs> they still feel. Do you think they don't have feeling in their tails? I don't know if they have a nervous system in their tails. I don't know. We'll find out later. I think I think our main our main mermaid makes a comment about it. Otherwise, she deserved much praise, especially for because she was so fond of the small sea princesses, the daughter of her son. They were six 
lovely children, but the youngest one was the most beautiful of them all. Her skin was as clear and delicate as a rose petal, her eyes as blue as the deepest sea, but like the rest of them, she had no feet, her body ending in a fishtail. All day long they would spend playing down in the palace and the great halls where living flowers grew out of the walls. The great amber windows would be opened and then the fishes would swim into them just as the swal- just as the swallows fly into us when we open the windows. But the fishes swam right up to the small princesses, ate out of their hand, and let themselves be stroked. Aw, it's flounder. So cute. Flounder. Okay, so a couple points already. <laughs> One, grandma's not in the movie. No. Um, also, there were seven of them in the movie. They made them to there represent were? the seven seas. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yep. So did they just make up a seventh sister name? Yes. Like, they don't have names. The... None of them have oh. names. They only refer to Ariel's character, quote unquote Ariel, as the Little Mermaid. Huh. Yep. Interesting. Fun fact. Also, Kate. what's with all of the analogies between fish and birds here? He, you are telling a story about the sea. We have to connect it with things that we okay. understand. Because okay. when Fair I open a window, a bird always flies in. <laughs> Naturally, you're right. <laughs> what was I thinking? So the next part goes on to explain how um, each of the girls have their own garden. Our main youngest sister, our little mermaid, loves the red flowers. And so she plants red flowers. Um, they describe her as being a strange child. She's very quiet and thoughtful while all of her sisters are, like, flashy. And Does um, it say she's a redhead? Nope. Interesting. She Interesting. just likes the red flower, so I don't know if they took it from that. Maybe um, that was like a nod. Her to that. and her sisters decorate their gardens also with things that fall from the human world. So she is not the only one that is interested in the human things. So they find the marble statue, the one from the movie, and they're all like, oh, wow, he's so handsome. So all of them really like it. Um, once they. They So they get really interested, but they're not allowed to go up to the surface until they turn 15. Why are we letting a 15-year-old do that? I don't know, but it's fine. It's not like anybody's going to I mean, gonna, you're like, an adult them. at that point, basically. Oh, yeah. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> What's the line from the movie? I'm 16 years old. I can make choices oh, for God. myself. Oh, man. Um. So... They're like, oh, we want to go up. But then their grandma says, nope, you can't go up to the surface until you turn 15. And then they can go up to the surface whenever they want. So it goes through and talks about each of the sisters going up to the surface on their 15th birthday. There are six of them, and they're a year apart. So the first one goes up, comes back, and is like, wow, I saw a ship. The second one the next year goes up, comes back, and she went at sunset. So the sky was gold and all this different stuff. The third sister goes up, and she's the boldest. She swims as close to the to the shore as um, any of them have gone, and she sees a dog. A dog barks at her, Ooh. and it scares her. She also tries to play with the little kids there, but they were surprised, startled by the half-fish, half-person <laughs> half thing that swam up to them. So they ran away, and the dog started barking at her, so she came back. Um, fourth sister sat on an iceberg, I think. And just chilled. Um, That's so late. Just kidding. Imagine that was the fifth up. sister. Fourth sister, yeah, she just goes and chills. She just goes into the middle of the ocean. She's like, wow, beauty. And then the fifth sister goes up, and she's the one, she's the first one to go up in the winter. So she sits on an iceberg 
but then a ship oh. goes by, they see her there, they all freak out, so they change the course and leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they always would come, so the first time they went back, they would come back and tell all of the other sisters, because everybody was so interested in the human world. Um, mm-hmm. But then after the first, all of the five sisters went, they would start going up every night where they'd like interlock arms and go and sing on the surface. But our youngest sister had the most beautiful voice of all, which is very important for later on. But they didn't get a lot of, so they, so they would go up, they'd see these sailors and they're like, oh my gosh, handsome sailors. And then before ships would start sinking, they would like sing songs about how wonderful the ocean was. And then um, they'd be like, oh, so you'll want to come down here. But then the ship would get wrecked and they would drown. And this line says, um, but the sailors were unable to understand the words and thought it was the storm, nor did they ever get to see any of these delights. For when their ship sank, those on board drowned, and the, they only came down to the Sea King's palace as corpses. Oh. It's a little... That took a dark turn. Yeah. The first dark turn of many. Of many. Um, so then they're all going up every day, and so that whole last year, our little mermaid's like, oh, if only I was 15 years old. And she says, I know that I will grow really fond of the world above us and all of the people who live up there. And then, so finally she turns 15. She's super excited to go up and says, and her grandma says, there, now we've got, now we've got you off our hands. Come here. Let me deck you up like all of your sisters. And so she places a garland of white lilies on her hair and each petal in the flower has a half pearl. And then she puts eight large oysters attached, like attaches themselves to her tail to indicate her high rank. Okay. And then she says... She what says is it with hurts. This grandma on status. Oh my goodness, calm <laughs> down. So then she says, Oh my gosh, it hurts so much. She didn't say, Oh my gosh. She says, It hurts so much. <laughs> and the grandma says, I kid you not, the 1836 equivalent of beauty is pain. She says, Yes, one has to go through a great deal of trouble to look nice. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, she's like, Suck it up. Beauty is pain. Deal with it. You look good. Yeah, that's all that matters. And so then, yeah. Um, And then she thinks like, oh, I wish I didn't have all this finery. I wish I just had some flowers. And then she gets to go up to the shore. So she goes up to the shore and she sees this boat and there's a party going on on the boat. And so this is something that actually happens in the movie. Um, Except so it's, she goes up and it's the prince's boat and they are celebrating his 16th birthday. So there's fireworks going off, they're dancing. And so she's just chilling and watching all of this go down. And then a storm comes through. And so after like hours and hours of her watching them, she just watches them. Um, mm-hmm. And she, and so a storm comes through and she's just like having an awesome time. She's almost just like on a roller coaster because she's not worrying about drowning, right? Because she can't drown. I mean, So right. she's just like, woo, this is so fun because the boat's rocking and everybody on, on deck's like, we're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and so then eventually... The storm rips apart the ship and the prince goes under. And literally her first thought is, so it says, to begin with, she was quite pleased. For now, he would be coming down to her. But then she remembered that humans cannot live in the water and that he would only come down to her father's palace as a corpse. (laughs) So she decides to save him. (laughs) So she swims down, picks him up, drags him up to the to the surface and she swims him to shore but this whole time she's like loving on him she's like hugging him and kissing his face and she's like oh you're so handsome 
right? So the whole time, that's what's going on. She finally makes it to the shore, and she pulls him on onto the shore, leaves him there, but then she hears voices. So she swims back out, covers herself in, like, some sea foam, and just chills out by the rock. And then this is when she says, I don't know where, I don't know how, but I know something's starting right now. There we go, right? So that's the part. And wow, then, like, beautiful. the whole wave on the rock. Yeah, that's no, iconic. <laughs> iconic. <laughs> that was my beautiful singing voice. I, I feel like... She's a little bit of a creeper. She just, it's like, I feel like she almost like treats the prince at this point like a pet. It's like, oh, how cute. It's like a how little doggy. Oh, yeah. Don't let him drown. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. They drown. They can't, they can't breathe underwater. And so Oops, she, she makes bad. it there. Um, and so he survives. But then he wakes up to this, to these girls. Um, and he doesn't doesn't remember any of it so she's like oh he doesn't know that i saved him so she goes back is super depressed because she misses her prince she goes and like snuggles with the marble statue a lot um (laughs) pretending that it's him uh she didn't take care of her flowers yes so she takes care of her she doesn't take care of her flowers so her flower bed gets all of a mess and they're like oh my gosh like what's wrong with you so she finally tells her sisters what's going on and one of their, and their, those sisters, she's like, don't tell anybody. So, of course, each of them tell one person, and then that person tells one person. Eventually, the news knows. get yeah, eventually that news gets to one of her sister's friends, and they're like, she's like, oh, I totally know who you're talking about. I know where he lives. And so she gets really excited. She's like, oh, my gosh. So she showed, her, her friend shows her where the prince lives, because she didn't know where he was from, because he was just on a boat in the middle of the ocean. Right, so, right. luckily, it's close enough. <laughs> That she can just hop on over, swim over. And so she finally finds his castle. Um, and so she goes up there almost every night. She just goes and watches him in his castle. And then the yeah, more and again, more she goes. I'm getting some real stalker crazy, vibes right? here. <laughs> so after a while, she's like so depressed that she can't be with him. And she like would follow him around whenever he went out on his boat. And then... Um, she has this conversation with her grandma where she's like, well, do humans live forever? Unless they drown, do they live forever? And her grandma says, no, here, I can just read this part. Uh, she says, when humans do not drown, the little mermaid asks, can, can they stay alive forever? Or don't they, don't they die like we do down here in the sea? Oh yes. said The old woman said they have to die and their lives are even shorter than ours are. We can live until we are 300 years old, but when we cease to exist, we become foam on the water, do not even have a grave down here among our dear ones. We do not have an immortal soul. We will never live again. We are like the green rushes. Once they have been severed, they can never grow green again. Depressing, right? Mm. Humans, on the other hand, have a soul that lives forever, lives even after the body has become earth. It rises up through the clear sky up to all the shining stars, just as we rise up to the surface of the sea and the sea and see the lands of the humans, they rise up to the unknown lovely places, those we will never get to see. Why did we never get an immortal soul? The little mermaid asks sadly. I would give up all the 300 years I have to live in just to be a human being for one day and then be a part of the heavenly world. So 300 years, she's like, hard pass. One day as a human. (laughs) 
And then her mom, her grandma's like, no, don't think like that. And she says, so I'm to die and float like foam on the sea, not hear the music of the waves, see the lovely flowers and the red sun. Is there nothing I can do to gain an eternal soul? And then her mother, her grandma makes the mistake and says, no, only if a human were to fall so in love with you that you were, that you were more to him than his father and mother. If all his thoughts and love were centered on you and he would let the priest place his right hand in yours and promise to be faithful now and in all eternity. Only then would his soul flow over into your body and you would partake in human happiness. He would give you a soul and yet retain his own. But that can never happen. For what is so lovely here in the ocean? Gosh. For what is so lovely here in the ocean, your fish's tail, they find ugly up there on earth. They don't understand it all. They're, they're what? Hmm. I can read. Their one has to have two clumsy props that they call legs in order to be considered beautiful or handsome. So we have legs. So is we're that handsome. the only requirement? Is you just have to have legs and then you're apparently. Beautiful? Wow, I've been. Right? I've been lying to. We all have I'm legs. Really... We got legs, so we're good, oh I guess. <laughs> Wait, so is is Ursula made up? Is there a sea witch in this we're story? We're getting to the sea witch. Okay, okay, we're getting to the sea witch. She's creepy. I'm going to be honest with you, okay? So then, now that she's found out that there is a way to get a human soul, that's all she worries about. Naturally. So she doesn't, she's like, an obsessive she's, weirdo. Because she's an obsessive 15-year-old, okay? <laughs> so she starts to get this idea, and eventually... She's like, I need, I know what I need to do. And she makes her way over to the sea witch. I thought that the sea witch was, I don't know if there's like another version where the sea witch is her dad's, like her aunt, but it doesn't say that in this version. For some reason, I thought that she was her aunt. Um, but none of them have names. So or like all of the names. I are feel like up. that's true in a lot of the old fairy tales. Yeah. Um, it goes really descriptive into, um, the household um it spends some time talking about you know those little creatures in the movie where they look like they like look like dehydrated mermaids you know what i'm talking oh, about yeah, yeah yeah so this is the in this story they're called um polyps and they're half animal half plant they look like snakes with hundreds of heads growing out of the earth mm. all the branches were long slimy arms with fingers like pliant worms and joint and joint by joint, they moved from their root to their outermost tip. And then anything that would come clear near them, they grab them. Ew. Yeah, so see, there's like things, a bunch of... Even in the Disney version, those things terrify. I thought right? they were so creepy. I was like, So Ugh. in this story, they no. grab things. So there's a bunch of like skeletons around them from... No. From like drowned sailors. No. So she's Hard like pass. dodging these things as she f- swims into... Seems like a really inviting place. Let's keep going. Right? Oh my gosh. So, um, this, I have to read this paragraph. Um, she now came to a slimy place in the forest where large fat water snakes tumbled and showed their vile white yellow bellies. In the middle of this clearing, a house had been built of the white bones of shipwrecked human beings. There, the sea witch sat, allowing a toad to eat from her mouth just as humans allow a small canary to eat sugar. Another bird comparison. The horrible fat water snakes she called her small chickens, and she let them romp around on her large, spongy breast. 
Ew. Not a fan of this um, imagery. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna say no thank you. Uh <laughs> Ursula's actually my favorite Disney villain. So that's really disappointing because <laughs> I really just I mean, does she even say poor unfortunate souls? No, never. Wow. Okay. What a disappointment. This is what she does say, though. So, Zero stars. So, so she shows up, and um, the sea witch is like, I know exactly why you're here, okay? She's like, you're dumb, and you're dumb for doing this, but luckily you showed up on the right night. So she said, you come precisely at the right time. Tomorrow when the sun rises, I couldn't have helped you before another year has passed. I will prepare a drink for you. Before the sun rises, you must swim with it to where there is land. Sit down on the shore and there drink it. Then your tail will split and contract into what humans call a pair of nice legs. But this is the kicker. It will hurt you. It is as sharp as a sword. It is as it is as if a sharp sword passes through you. Everyone who sees you will say you are the loveliest human child they have ever seen. You will keep your floating walk. No dancer can float as you can. But each step you take will be like treading on a sharp knife that made your blood flow. As or oh. She's like, are you prepared to suffer all this? Without a doubt, yes. She says, yes, she's great. Wow. She wants her immortal soul. <laughs> and then wow, the witch wow, says, wow, wow. but remember this. Once you have assumed human form, you can never become a mermaid again. You can never dive, dive down through the water to your sisters and to your father's palace. And if you do not gain the love of the prince so that he forgets his father and mother for you, unless you fill all his thoughts and he lets the priest place your hands in each other so that you become man and wife, you will not gain an immortal soul. The first morning after he has married someone else, your heart will break and you will become the foam on the water. What a deal. Right? This is amazing. No hesitation. Sounds great. Yes. Why but not? of course, there's a catch. Um, so she says, yes, please. Like I'm going to win. Like he's not going to, he's going to love me for sure. And then the, the witch of course says, but you may also pay me or you have to pay me. And what I am asking for you is from you is no trifle. You have the loveliest voice of all those here on the seabed and you count on entrancing him with it. But that voice you must give to me. I must have the best thing you own for my precious drink. I must give you of my own blood for the drink so that it can be as sharp as the double-edged sword. And then she says, but if you but take my voice... But she does say a trifle, right? Yeah. She said it, oh, just a token, a trifle. <laughs> um, but then okay. she says, but if you take my voice, what am I left with? And she just says, your beautiful appearance, the witch says, your floating walk and your eloquent eyes. With those, you're sure to be able to captivate a human heart. Body You language. have your looks. <laughs> your pretty, pretty face. face. <laughs> Don't <laughs> underestimate the importance the power of, of body, body language. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, but she doesn't just take her voice. She cuts out her tongue. Oh, why not? Okay. Yeah. Because she's not coming back to be a mermaid. Like, this is it. Oh, gosh. But she doesn't get her voice back if she marries the prince. That's it. She just... It's just gone. Tongue forever. gone. Okay? Wow. And she says, deal. <laughs> this is why 15-year-olds are not considered adults. Yep. This right so here, then this she, is it. <laughs> she goes to make the potion, and she cuts open her chest and lets her blood spill into her little, like, cauldron. What the? And then she throws a bunch of stuff in, 
And it's like her blood's like black and oozing and gross, okay? And then by the time it's done, the drink is like super clear. And then she says, Okay, we're done. Give me your tongue. She sticks out her tongue, tongue gone. Um, and then as she's leaving, she's like, Hey, don't worry about those little creepy grabby things. If like you're drive if you're driving, if you're swimming by and they try to grab you, just drop some of this potion on them. And then she this should have been a, a, a sign. She swims out. And they're so terrified of the drink that she's holding that they don't even try to grab her. Which, you know, again, should have been a sign, right? Oh my gosh. So then she goes up to the shore, super excited, drinks it. She feels like she's been stabbed so much that she passes out. Like, so much pain that she passes out. But then she wakes up, she looks down, she has two legs, and the prince is standing there. And she's like, oh my gosh, so excited. Um... And then he takes, she is naked. He take puts on a cloak, takes her back to his palace, um, and dresses her up. They, he like takes her to dinner and like all of the slaves come out. It says slaves. Yep. Slaves come out and they're like dancing and singing. And the little mermaid's like, oh, if only he could hear my voice. I sound way better than these chicks. But then they start dancing and she's like, this is all I can do. So she goes out and she starts dancing um, and they were all like, oh my gosh, she's so beautiful. Everyone was enchanted by this, particularly the prince, who called her his little foundling. I don't like it. Nothing. And she danced more and more, even though every time her foot touched the ground, it was as if she was treading on sharp knives. The prince said that she was to be with him always, and she was allowed to sleep outside his door on a velvet cushion. What a deal. She's just making all sorts of fancy deals. She is living her best life. Okay. So is she happy? Question mark? She's so happy because the prince is giving her all of his attention. So it goes on to say like every night they're like, or all day they're going and doing stuff. They go on a hike and like her feet start to bleed and she's like, it doesn't matter. I'm used to it at this point. And it's just, it's just crazy. So they go on and then they sit and they're and they're just looking at each other and says day by day the prince became more dear to her he was fond of her as one could be can be of a can be fond of a good dear child but it never occurred to him to make her his queen and she had to become his wife otherwise she would never get an immortal soul but on his wedding morning would become foam of the sea aren't you fonder of me than all the rest the eyes of the little mermaid seemed to say when he took her in his arms and kissed her lovely forehead yes you are dearest of all to me the prince said for you have the best heart of them all. You are the most devoted to me, and you resemble a young girl I once saw, but will surely never find again. It was on a ship that was wrecked. The waves washed me ashore near a sacred temple where several several young girls were in service. The youngest of them found me down on the shore and saved my life. I only saw her twice. She was the only one I could ever love in this world, but you resemble her. You almost replaced her image in my soul. She belongs to the holy temple, and therefore my good fortune has sent you to me. We shall never be pardoned. You look exactly like this girl that I saw one time, and she was hot. So you're you're close second. Wow, 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 wow. And then she's like, oh my god, she doesn't realize that I'm the one who saved him. And then he says, the girl belongs to the sacred temple. Um, oh, just Wh- kidding. Where she's did like, he get that? Why does he think that she belongs to the temple? I so it was actually a girl, like the girl who found him on the shore. That's who he's thinking oh, of. He's not thinking okay. of her. So oh. then the prince finds out that he's arranged to marry the princess of a neighboring um, 
a neighboring kingdom or whatever. And so his parents have said, like, I'm not, we're not forcing you to marry her, but like, will you go meet her? And he's like, yeah, deal. So he calls, so he says, but you were not frightened of the sea, my mute child. If anybody freaking called me, that's not a term my of mute, endearment. My mute child. My little mute child. Um, so they went Nothing on more the, romantic than that. They went on the boat. They swim over. She like dances for them. And her sisters come to the, come, and her sisters keep coming up to the shore and seeing her. So at one point she like, her feet were hurting so bad. She walked down to the ocean and like stuck her feet in the ocean to help cool them off. Um, and her sisters come up, her grandma, who, like, hasn't come up to the shore in ages, and so they're all so sad that she's gone, because she just peaced out. She didn't say bye, she just left. So they get to the neighboring kingdom, guess who the princess is? No. The girl from the beach. No! Boo! Yes. So he goes and he's like, oh my gosh, it's you, I'm so fortunate, the best thing I could have ever hoped for is, um, for has been fulfilled for me, you will rejoice in my good fortune, for you are more fond of me than all the others, he says to the Little Mermaid. Um, and the Little Mermaid kissed his hand, and she seemed to feel her heart break. His wedding morning would bring her death and turn her into foam of the sea. Um, she walks, she like carries the bride's train when they get married, on the boat. So she's what? like a flower girl, like helping out in the wedding. Um, she dances at their reception type thing. And so when it grew dark, uh, many colored lamps were lit and the sailors danced merry dances on the deck. The little mermaid had to think of the first time she surfaced from the depths and saw the same magnificent and happy magnificence and happiness. And she rolled around in the dance too, floated like the swallows float another bird. When it, if, when it is being pursued and everyone expressed their great admiration, never had she danced so wonderfully whole time she's just dying in pain and she knew this would be the last evening she would ever see the man for whom she abandoned her home and family gave up her lovely voice and suffered endless torment every day without him having any idea of this this was the last night she would breathe the same air as he did see the deep ocean and the star-studded sky an eternal night without thought or dream awaited her she who had no soul and would never be able to gain one well i'm actually very peeved right now right so what a dumb story <laughs> let's bring in violence really quick um so that <laughs> night her sisters come up and all of their hair's been chopped and they show up and they were like sister we have a solution for you because they knew that this was going on they're like we went to right. the sea beach we gave her all of our hair and she gave us this dagger if you stab the chest the the prince in the chest and kill him you can turn back into a mermaid and, like, live out all of your 300 years. What? Yeah. So they chuck the knife up on deck, and she gets it. <laughs> and so, but she has to do it before the sun rises, and it's, like, almost sunrise. So they're cutting it close, right? So she goes into the tent with the prince and his new wife, okay? And, because mm -hmm. they got married that night, so she had until, like, the sunrise before she turned into right. seagull. So she goes in, is holding the knife, and is, like, staring at the prince, and then instead just kisses his forehead and the forehead of his wife, goes outside, chucks the dagger into the sea, and just jumps into the ocean and turns into seafoam. Are you kidding me? I wish I was kidding you. So there is slight redemption at the end of the story. So once she jumps into the sea, she's expecting to just, like, her consciousness to just, like, be done. But then um, she hears voices and this melody. And so she thinks, uh, or she says, like, who am I coming to? 
and then this uh, these voices respond to the daughters of the air a mermaid has no immortal soul can never gain one unless she wins the love of a human being her eternal her eternal being depends on a foreign force the daughters of the air do not have an eternal soul either but by good deeds they are able to create one for themselves so basically they fly around as like ghost like ghost like things and after doing good deeds for 300 years they can receive an immortal soul so she's just going to be nice for 300 years and then she'll get a soul. Yeah. But to speed up the process, every time you see a little kid smile, it takes a year off of your 300 years. But every time you see a kid misbehave, it adds a year. What the? Mm-hmm. What the? What kind of complicated, dumb system and is this? And that's the end. That's the end of the story. You know what? I'm going to stick with the Disney version. (laughs) Way better music. I told you you were going to be shook. Way better music. Happier ending. I think with Um, that ending, it's a use of the parents to be like, well, if you want the Little Mermaid to get her immortal soul, you have to be good. Because if she shows up and see you being bad, you're going to make her be a ghost for another year. For another, no, no immortal soul for No immortal soul because of you complaining about your mutton wow that's the story the end okay um not what i was expecting not what i okay okay all right okay i told you i would really like to read the essay that you wrote in high school oh my gosh i don't even know where it is i feel i will like... have to look for it it was terrible. I, I will tell you, I wrote it probably at midnight the night before it was due. I don't care. I want it. I want to read it. <laughs> I will look for it. If anything, it would be on my mom's computer. I don't know if I want to find what? it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well. There you go. Any questions? <laughs> the Little Mermaid. What a disappointment to And everyone. I skipped a lot. Like, it was it was a long story and went into detail of all the things that they did and, like, all the times her feet bled and... All yeah. the times her feet bled? Wow. Um, yeah, my story's a lot shorter than that one. Yep, sorry. I but... talked for, like, 30 minutes. I apologize. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um... That's, I'm, you're right, I'm shook. I'm very shook right now. It's fine, it's fine. I'm so glad I could share that trauma. (laughs) I've had to carry that around since high school. I'm so glad I can share this with all of you. (laughs) I'm I'm never going to be able to look at the Little Mermaid the same. Nope. But daddy, I love him. (laughs) And then she's like, oh. And then that's when he destroys her whole, her whole uh, where trope. Where they walk. I love the music. Where they run. Singing shells. Anyway. Okay. Well. <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin. Um, Rumpelstiltskin by the Grimm Brothers. Also, this has like a short little excerpt at the beginning about the Grimm Brothers. And it's super interesting. I'm not going to go into their whole life story, but it's very interesting. Also, they spoke... Old English, Old Norse, Old Danish, and Old High German, and even some Sanskrit. So they were they were living. Their wow, best lives. isn't Sanskrit yeah. one of the oldest 
mm-hmm. languages. So they're yeah, because their dad was a lawyer, and they were like, "We're gonna go to law school too." But then they went to school, and we're like, "We're actually just obsessed with these super old manuscripts." And yeah. I sympathize with that when you're like, <laughs> anyway, um, their first time that they published their stories was in 1812 under the name Children's and Household Tales. So that was exciting. Um, now please enjoy Rumpelstiltskin. I'm so excited. I've actually never read the original story. It's pretty short. It just makes me think of, like, uh, did you ever watch Once Upon a Time? Yeah. All magic comes with a price. Yep. (laughs) Sorry, continue. (laughs) Anyway. Once there was a miller who was poor, but who had a beautiful daughter. Now it happened that he had to go and speak to the king, and in order to make himself appear more important, he said to him, I have a daughter who can spin straw into gold. The king said to the miller, That is an art which pleases me well. If your daughter is as clever as you say, bring her tomorrow to my palace, and I will try and I will try what she can do. And when the king was brought to him, he took her into a room which was quite full of straw, gave her a spinning wheel and a reel, and said, Now set to work, and if by tomorrow morning early you have not spun this straw into gold during the night, you must die. Thereupon, he himself locked up the room and left left her alone. What did did the dad think was going to happen? I, you know, and who else is like, Here's a good way to make myself more important. Uh, my daughter can turn things into gold. <laughs> what context did I that come up casually? I don't see this backfiring whatsoever. It's not yeah, like he's going to ask mean, for proof. Anyway, so she gets locked in a room. So there sat the poor miller's daughter, and for the life of her, could not tell what to do. She had no <laughs> idea how, to, how a straw could be spun into gold. And she grew more and more miserable until at last she began to weep. But all at once the door opened and in came a little man and said, Good evening, Mistress Miller. Why are you crying so? Alas, answered the girl, I have to spin straw into gold and I do not know how to do it. Well, what will you give me, said the mannequin, if I do it for you? My necklace, said the girl. The little man took the necklace, seated himself in front of the wheel, and were, 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 three turns, and the reel was full. Then he put on another, and were, 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 three times around, and the second was full, too. And so it went on until the morning, when all the straw was spun, and all the reels were full of gold. By daybreak, the king was already there, and when he saw the gold, he was astonished and delighted, but his heart became only more greedy. He had the miller's daughter taken into another room, full of straw, which was much larger, and commanded her to spin that also in one night if she valued her life. This is a vicious cycle. Do it again. Keep going. I'm pretty sure that after the second night, he's gonna be like, "Cool, that's enough gold for me." Nope. Have a nice life. You're right. That that's exactly what happened. Story over. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the girl knew not how to help herself and was crying when the door again opened and the little man appeared and said, "What will you give me if I spin that straw into gold for you?" The ring on my finger answered the girl. The little man took the ring and again began to turn the wheel, and by morning had spun all the straw into glittering gold. The king rejoiced beyond measure at the sight, but still he had not gold enough. And he had the miller's daughter taken into a still larger room full of straw, and said, You must spin this too in the course of this night. 
but if you succeed, you shall be my wife. Even, even if she be a miller's daughter, thought he, I cannot find a richer wife in the whole world. What Here's my question. One of many. Um, <laughs> why did he not just refill the rooms? And how many rooms does he just have full of straw? Full of straw. <laughs> I That's mean, my question. I, I don't know. <laughs> the rooms are getting progressively bigger with more and more straw, so... He's just like, one day, somebody's gonna come in and say they can make this into gold. Let's just leave these here. Well, yeah, just store them for safekeeping. In that eventuality, <laughs> it'll be great. He was manifesting it. He was so excited. Um. Anyway, he's like, yeah, you can be my wife, which I'm like, bold of you to assume she wants to be your wife, but okay. Snap, crack When the girl was alone, the mannequin again came for the third time and said, What will you give me if I spin the straw for you this time also? I have nothing left that I could give, answered the girl. Then promise me, if you should become queen, your first child. Who knows whether that will ever happen, thought the miller's daughter. And not knowing how else to help herself in this strait, she promised the mannequin that he what he wanted and for... And for that, he once more spun the straw into gold. And when the king came in the morning and found all as he had wished, he took her in marriage, and the pretty miller's daughter became a queen. A year after, she had a beautiful child, and she never gave a thought again to the little man. But suddenly he came into a room and said, Now give me what you promised. The queen was horror-struck and offered the man all the riches of the kingdom if he would leave her the child. The mannequin said, no, something that is living is dearer to me than all the treasures in the world. Then the queen began to weep and cry so that the mannequin pitied her. I will give you three days time, he said. If by that time you find out my name, then shall you keep my child. I don't know how you can promise somebody's life to somebody and then just like forget. And forget about it. You know, also, how is this homie getting into places? Like, I get well, he's magical, how is but, he, like... How is he making straw into gold? I just, I, I feel like if there was a man that was magically showing up places in my life, I would not forget about him. And right? Also, That's the other thing. Like, Did you forget the whole gold episode? Like, I, I, and, again, the whole reason this king is marrying he's like, she'll make me rich. So, like, did he never again ask her, were the three times good enough? What, like, like I don't, that's enough gold. We're that's enough gold out. for now. <laughs> like, I just, I have a hard time believing that at no point in that year was he like, <laughs> Hey, show me how you do honey, that. Honey, honey, darling, more gold, please. <laughs> like, She's like, nope, that's it. I'm good. I'm good. I, I pulled it. I'm like, oh, no, I'm pregnant. Uh, it doesn't work when I'm pregnant. I don't know how you how you managed to cover that up, but whatever. Um, three days. Okay. So the queen thought the whole night of all the names that she'd ever heard, and she sent a messenger over the country to inquire far and wide for any other names that there might be. When the mannequin came the next day, she began with Casper, Melchior, Balthazar, and said all the names that she knew one after another. After another, but to every one, the little man said. That is not my name. On the second day, she didn't, she had in, inquiries made in the neighborhood as to the names of the people there, and she repeated to the mannequin 
the most uncommon and curious. Perhaps your name is Short Ribs, or Sheepshanks, or Lace Leg. Sheepshanks? Yeah, Sheepshanks, or Lace Leg. But always he answered, that is not my name. On the third day, the messenger came back again and said, I have not been able to find a single new name, but as I came to a high mountain at the end of the forest where the fox and the hare bid each other good night, there I saw a little house, and before the house a fire was burning, and round the fire quite a ridiculous little man was jumping. He hopped upon one leg and shouted, Today I bake, tomorrow brew, the next I'll have the young, child, young queen's child. Ha! Glad am I that no one knew that Rumpelstiltskin am I styled. That didn't even rhyme. You, it even rhymes. <laughs> you may think how glad the queen was when she heard the name. And when soon afterwards the little man came in, she asked, he, he asked, now Mistress Queen, what is my name? At first, she said, is your name Conrad? No, he said. Is your name Harry? No, he said. Is your name Rumpelstiltskin, perhaps? The devil has told you that, the devil has told you that, cried the little man. And in his anger, he plunged his right foot so deep into the earth that his whole leg went in. And then in rage, he pulled at his left leg so hard with both hands that he tore himself in two. The end. What? What's with all of these, like, gruesome endings? Yeah, just ends with he tore himself in two. Nothing else. No follow-up. <laughs> What's the point of the story? I have questions. Uh, I'm going to Google it. What is the moral of Rumpelstiltskin? Also, I love that she asked all of the names and she's like, haha, I know his name, rather than just telling him I'm going to yeah, toy was, around a bit. She was being funny. Um, so the first response says, the moral of Rumpelstiltskin is to tell the truth and take responsibility for your own mistakes. What Question story mark? are they listening to? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about Telen's story, like, being honest and taking responsibility, where the heck is her dad in all of this? Right? He just, like, is like, oh, yeah, take my daughter. Kill her if you want. Peace out. And also, and now she's queen, which, like, I'm assuming he got some benefits if you're the father probably. of the queen. I wouldn't. If my dad sold me off and lied, and I somehow cheated my way through, <laughs> I'd be like, bye, dad. Peace out. Sorry. <laughs> Have fun being a poor Miller. Yeah. Idiot. I'm just kidding. It help my family. Um, also, what's the obsession with so many fairy tales of firstborn children? Because that's Rapunzel, too. Right. So many of them. Isn't know. that also Sleeping Beauty? Isn't that, like, she's the firstborn, right? Am I crazy? The Sleeping Beauty story is different, too. Because she has, so while she's passed out, she wakes up and gives birth to twins. Oh. Yep. That's news to me. Yep. But are the twins human? Yes. Oh, see, the the, prince, then it's not too the bad. The prince came to save her. Well, how are babies made, Chelsea? Hmm. The prince comes to save her, and along with kissing her, Forces relations, yeah. and then she wakes up and gives birth. <laughs> so, lots I of just, 
I don't like it. Lots of darkness here. And yet, they're so cherished. And I don't know why. I just... Here's Kids the these days are too soft skin, for OG stories. <laughs> I'm too soft for OG stories. Who are we kidding? <laughs> Same. I just... I love the fact... That the way Rumpelstiltskin dies isn't, like, they attack him. They throw him in prison. Or, like, magically they knew his name and that ended his career. No. The way he dies is legit, I'm so angry I threw a temper tantrum and accidentally ripped myself in half. How do how does one do that? I don't want to know. <laughs> like, also, I like how he's just chilling on the top of a mountain and he's like, no. Ha ha ha, nobody knows my name, which <laughs> happens to be Rumpelstiltskin. You couldn't just not say your name for three days? I wait, just hopped around like, ha ha ha, ha, if only people knew my name was Taryn. Ha ha ha. And then, also, and then I just get mad I and love, hurt myself in half. I love the messengers like, yeah, I found this house and there's this ridiculous man running around the fire. <laughs> Weirdo. <laughs> oh man. Well, this has been your intro to OG fairy tales. Um, they're yeah. slightly disturbing. So next time your child is watching um, The Little Mermaid, just be like, want to know what actually happens in the story and continue on the trauma. Pass it along. We'll just make a trauma chain, a trauma train. <gasps> Pay it forward. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, please let us know. And if there are any specific old stories that you want us to read, we are happy for happy to receive suggestions. Yes. Yeah. Makes let it us so know what your fun. favorite original folklore story is. Oh, yeah. We can do lots of those. But if you want us to read an actual story, like a, like a book, it just has to be in the public domain. Otherwise, we have to get permission from the author. And a lot of authors don't actually want to respond to my emails. I've sent a few. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> nobody wants to talk to me. It's fine. Oh, man. Well, all right. Been our first episode of Tuesday Tales. Have a wonderful week. Yeah. Enjoy the trauma. Have a wonderful week. And we'll see you on Tuesday with our review of We Were Liars. I'm very excited for this one. I'm very, very excited. Okay. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Okay, bye.